Welcome to the Smart Industry Podcast, Remaking Industry, where we dive deep into the tools, techniques, and technologies that are accelerating digital transformation. All right. Thanks for joining us on the podcast here. My name is Chris McNamara, Editor-in-Chief with Smart Industry. We're thrilled to have you join us. Today, we're talking to Jake Hall, or otherwise known as the Manufacturing Millennial. Jake, how are you doing? I'm doing wonderful, Chris. How are you? I am doing great. Before we get into the uh, conversation here, let's introduce you a little bit to the audience. Tell me about a hobby you have outside of work. What's something that's a passion of yours? Oh, man. I got two that, that go together. Um, I'm a diehard Cubs fan, okay. so I love to watch any and all baseball games that I can, uh, I can get in front of me if that's in person. Uh, here in Grand Rapids, our local AA team. Or, you know, heading over to Wrigley and, and watching some games that way is, is definitely a big hobby. The other one I would say is smoking barbecue. So I am a, a barbecue enthusiast of brisket, pork butts, ribs, beef chow, whatever you got. Nice. Love it. Love it. Um, now, talk to me uh, about your, your day job and then your moonlighting role as the manufacturing millennial. What do you do for a living? And then who and what is the manufacturing millennial? Yeah. So my, my day job, I work for a company called Fine Zelstra. We are a electrical services industrial tech company that focuses on helping end users and manufacturers with their modernization and digital transformation journey. Okay. We love working with companies that want to leverage new technology to make them more uh, agile, profitable, and also attract a, a future workforce by new technology. We know that manufacturers are struggling in all areas from workforce to supply chain to, you know, changing demands and the products that they're, um, they're manufacturing. Mm -hmm. And so whatever we can do to help them with that strategy, anywhere from, you know, doing the high low voltage to networking the fire systems at a large manufacturer to building out a SCADA MES system for them, we touch literally anything that has electrons running through it, we, we, we support them in the, in the four corners of their building. Okay. And who is the Manufacturing Millennial? Yeah, so the Manufacturing Millennial is a, a personal brand, Chris, that I've been developing for about two years now. And it, it's, it's evolved from me going to conferences and trade shows years ago and recognizing that younger generations are very underrepresented in the industry. And we'll get into that in a little bit, but... You know, the, the, the name the manufacturing millennial came about because I'm, I'm a millennial. I'm a manu I'm in manufacturing. I love it. It's a passion of mine. And really what I, what I do is I try and advocate the industry and the importance of what manufacturing, automation, robotics can bring to end users. Mm -hmm. And then also at the same time, how we can attract a future workforce and, you know, focus on skilled trades through the new technology and solutions that are out there. Okay. So let's talk about that. What is the impression of, of, let's talk about it from the perspective of the millennial first. What does the average millennial think about manufacturing? And let me back that up a little bit too. I hate even kind of generalize that much because oftentimes we paint with too broad a brush about what generations are like and what perceptions are. But, but you know, the, the common belief is that young workers find that manufacturing is dark, dangerous, and dirty. They don't want to get into it. Is that true? Is that particularly um, true with millennial workforces? What's your take? Yeah, I think it's absolutely true. You know, it, it goes back to, Chris, when you look at the numbers out there, there was a survey that was done a couple of years ago where, um, I, don't know, I forgot what it was, four or 5,000 
you know, studies were out there. And what happened was when they were, when adults were surveyed, they, they asked, do you believe manufacturing is critical to the U S economy and to, to our national security? And eight out of 10 said, yes, manufacturing is absolutely critical. And then one of the follow-up questions was, would you recommend your kid going into that industry? And two out of 10 or three out of 10 said, Yes. So here we have this massive discrepancy where people recognize the industry is, is very impactful. It's very important. However, they believe that their kids shouldn't be in the industry because going back to, you know, a, a guidance counselor, when you're graduating high school, we were told your next journey in life is a four-year degree. And if it's not engineering, it's something else. Well, here we have from, you know, the earliest point of a, of a kid's developing career, we're, being telling, we're telling them that entering the manufacturing workforce right away is not something that's viable. Um, and I, I think it goes back to, you know, we, we think manufacturing as our parents or our grandparents' job, yeah. especially with the world of social media where it, it's just, you got to have this cool hipster California avocado toast silicon valley type of lifestyle to be successful and that's just not the case yeah um you know we look at the numbers the average student graduated from college graduates with somewhere between 33 to 36 thousand dollars in student debt so immediately when they're graduating quote unquote entering the industry they're already years behind in terms of their own adult development compared to a kid who let's say went to a trade school right out of high school, went in, started working for a company, started his apprentice journeyman and became a career. And now this kid who's, I know several of them who are 22, 23 years old that are pulling in six figures. Yeah. So the, this misconception that manufacturing is this dark, dirty, dangerous, dull environment just goes to the area of what we viewed manufacturing 40 years ago. And it goes back to the 1970s, 80s, where we saw a lot of jobs leaving America, going overseas, because of what we saw as, as cheap labor um, over there, but that's not even the case anymore. When you look at the industry, well, like in, in a lot of Southeast Asia, um, Asia Pacific countries, they're manufacturing, they're automating their manufacturing processes at a rate higher than we are in North America. Mm-hmm. So the, the perception of manufacturing being this age old industry is, is, is very inaccurate now. Um, the, the adaption of new technology is what's driving a lot of opportunity for a lot of domestic companies here in America. Um, yeah. It's bringing jobs back and it's creating a lot of opportunity to, to see a lot of new ways we can automate industries that have never been touched before, for, for example, just besides outside the automotive industry. Yeah. Well, let me play devil's advocate, though. It's, I, I'm a young guy. I, I'm just coming out of high school. You know, okay, I hear Jake say that... Um, manufacturing is this viable path to a successful life. But I also hear all the time, automation, automation, robots, cobots. I'm going to be, I'm going to be automated out of a job in two years. Well, how do, how do uh, career opportunities and enhanced automation coincide with each other? Yeah. I mean, I would, I would go on the same thing, right? We've all heard that thing. We're going to be automated out of a job, automated out of a job. Well, when we look at stuff, right, when, when, when the ATM came about, that was going to happen. When the loom came about, that was going to happen. When the, the spindle and wheel came about, you know, we were always worried about this stuff. Well, jobs are evolving. We're moving from more mundane manual tasks to more infrastructure, infrastructure automated intelligent systems. So we're still going to need 
even if we're automating, we're going to need those robot programmers. We're going to need those developers. We're going to need those people who are leveraging new technology. I mean, look at the, look at the industry in the past three to four years, how much um, artificial intelligence and um, AI, you know, have, have, have impacted the robotics industry, especially in the warehouse and logistics world sure. where all these companies are now, we're all buying product online now. Well, in order to keep up that demand, we're automating a lot of manual tasks while we're seeing a huge demand with a bunch of jobs for people who need robot skills. And, yep. and, and to say that you're being automated of a task or automated of a job, I would say is, well, what job do you think you're being automated out of? Because if you go into a skilled trades or you develop skills that are going to be valued in the industry, you're creating more opportunity for yourself. In my opinion, you're creating job security for yourself for your entire life. Interesting. But let me ask you about the flip side. We were talking about the image of manufacturing from the mindset of the millennial. What, um, and I'm, I'm going to ask you to generalize here a little bit too, but what is the impression of millennials among manufacturing decision makers, shop owners, CEOs, CTOs, IT, OT team, hiring managers? What do they, they need workers, I know that much. What do they think of the young person coming out of school? Is the, is the stereotype true that, these kids are glued to their phones and they, they only want a sexy job. They want to be an influencer. Um, what, what do hiring teams think of young workers? Yeah. I mean, there is that perception out there that, you know, there's the entitled folk that, you know, the entitled kids that are coming out there that just want to be, you know, to not work and get everything. Yeah. And I think that's with every generation. Well, who doesn't, it, right? <laughs> you know, it, it's, I mean, ideally, right? We would all love to not work and get everything. But I mean, I, I think there's there's always those crowds that speak the loudest. Um, and I don't think what we see there is a mass representation of what our industry is, and and a, a lot a mass representation of what the younger generations are. Like, for example, you know, they, they say millennials and Gen Zs, they're very entitled. They're the ones that want the, you know, that need the participation trophy. But, you know, if you were to talk to a millennial Gen Z, they hate it. It wasn't them that was asking for a participation trophy. It was their parents. It was yeah. the older generation before them that was saying, why is my kid not getting something? Why is my kid not being trained fair? So, you know, a lot of stereotypes have been, been developed around every industry. Um, but what I would say is, around these younger generations, they do have a sense of empowerment, where if you're asking, what am I doing to attract a future workforce in my area or a future worker, it's no longer just you paying them $2 an hour above what other industries are paying to attract them out there, what manufacturing was. Well, now it's younger generations care more about impact and purpose. What is your impact on what you're doing at that company? What is your focus on sustainability? You know, newer generations, I would say as millennials and Gen Zs, they have a different outlook on what they want their future to, to be defined as. Mm -hmm. um, you know, no, no young adult wants to go and work for 12 hours and be exhausted and then they can't do anything when they get home. They want the ability to go and work for a company like a manufacturer, but then still be able to go and do that hiking trip with their friends that evening and then come back to work. So what are you doing as a manufacturer to adapt to this new way of life um, 
and, and, and still be able to be productive with your manufacturing process. And I think that's why how leveraging new technology. And as you said, you know, the, the kids who are connected to their smartphone, well, let's face it, technology creates a lot of opportunity to be more efficient. So if that kid loves working with technology in his iPad and iPhone or computer so much, what are you doing to leverage digital work instructions, job setup, your, your, your ERP system, whatever it is, from a digital standpoint, we all know that digital is more efficient across the board in terms of standards, revisions, editing, control, all of that. And if you're a company that says, well, I don't know how to handle that information. Well, thankfully, you have this brand new generation who's literally grown up with an iPad in their hands since they were born. Yeah. Who know this technology in and out. And it's, it, it, the, the numbers are there. Look at, look at the Raspberry Pi community. Look at all the at-home developers who are lear learning how to write code as a hobby. Yeah. All the people who are buying 3D printers to make stuff at their house and understanding manufacturing processes from an early age. You know, we all, we've always been tinkerers, right? You know, from your generation to my generation, to my father's, to my grandfather's, we've all had that tinker area. It's just our tinker is digital. Yeah. So as manufacturing transforms from a product-based industry to a digital industry in a lot of cases, this future workforce is the ability to really um, enable your, your, your future, you know, stake in the industry and, and being competitive. You just touched on a little bit there about, uh, but let me ask you to, to dive down and then address the flip side. What are manufacturers doing to attract young workers and what are they failing to do? What's a, what's an opportunity that manufacturing hiring teams can, can take to attract young workers? Yeah. I mean, what I'm seeing companies doing well is leveraging new technology in a way. Mm -hmm. If, if, if a young person leaving high school walks into a manufacturing facility that doesn't even have a screen on them to give them access to what information is happening to that machine. Yeah. Why would, why would they want to work there when there's, you know, no display of access to information. If they want to make a change to a product and they have to open up a three ring binder, walk to the shelf, dust off this book that Bob, the maintenance man who's been there for 50 years, has his scratch notes in there right. and he's got to dig through there to find how to do a changeover. That's not enjoyable. I'm my my my, my four-year-old daughter knows how to operate a knows how to operate the YouTube app and find what information or what show right. she wants to watch. Right. Why as a manufacturer would you not be putting your work instructions, your job setups, your daily tasks on a digital platform, right? If if a worker or a younger generation is going into the manufacturing industry and stepping back 30 years, they're saying this future employer, this employer is not investing in me. They're not even investing in their own company. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so that's, that's the one thing I would say where you see companies doing well and not doing well is adapting technology that is familiar with their workforce. Yeah. I was going to say, it's maybe not even like emerging technology. It's current technology. It's, yeah. It's you don't, you don't need to, yeah. You don't need to strap in AR goggles for every single task that you're doing. Right. Well, what you do need to do is have the ability to have information that's accessible. If you don't, if if, if your training is still through three ring binders and not through a digital process that's guiding people through how to run a machine, 
well, first of all, you're being extremely inefficient. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, from your from your own HR perspective, but then you're losing quality control. You're losing revision control, and and it's just it's not an exciting thing. But I always go back to as well. Manufacturers and companies need to do a better job communicating the purpose of why they're doing this job beyond just we make parts. We, you're making parts for a part of a car that's impacting people. And I think that's just that's society in general. They don't realize how much manufacturing here in America yeah. still impacts them domestically. Of course, right. I mean, once in a while you hear it's like, oh, the toilet paper, you know, shortage of 2020. Well, I mean, that's part of it. But a lot of the components that you touch on a daily basis is as a result of manufacturing. We're a consumer-based industry. Yeah. Um, and just being able to, to better communicate the purpose you're driving and the sustain and and uh, the the cultural change you're, you're you're doing within a company is important. And it's not just to to appease the um, the young people. I really think it's important from a manufacturer's responsibility to impact the culture of their community. And that's why I think a lot of manufacturers need to do a lot better job is getting involved with their local community, getting involved with their local high schools or local colleges or institutes and develop skilled trade jobs and programs that are eventually going to then transform into their future employee. Yeah. Interesting. Um, talking about the, the, the pandemic, how is this factoring in here, particularly with uh, remote work and working from home and automating, you know, facility manu- uh, uh, management? How does the pandemic come into play here? Yeah, I, I mean, well, let's look at the numbers, right? Within the pandemic right now, they're saying that the unemployment rate is close to what it was pre-pandemic, yet manufacturers are still screaming for workers. Yeah. So we're not going to see an influx of workers coming back to our industry. That's just, that's just not the case. What we need to do is we need to better leverage the people that we have, retain them in our industry and adapt automation to make that worker more valuable and efficient in what they do. Um, the, the, the pandemic really has driven a couple of things. One is we've realized the risk of the supply chain and how that has affected us as a U.S. manufacturer, where people were said, oh, well, this isn't going to impact for me. We don't buy anything from China. You might not, but your supplier does, or their supplier does, or their supplier does. So even though they never thought they were directly affected by a global supply chain, it took maybe two or three layers, but then it did. So what we're seeing now is a lot of manufacturers who are, in a sense, partnering with their suppliers, their tier two, tier three, tier four groups and creating a better relationship and platform to really become more efficient and, and, and de-risk what they felt the last 18 to 24 months. De-risk. I love that. Um, last question for you here. Well, second to last question. Um, talking about the near future, let's, let's forecast a little bit. What does the next five years look like for the young workforce and for enterprises looking to engage with young workers? Yeah, I mean, I think what we're going to be running, I mean, the next five years is going to be, we're, we're really going to be feeling the, the weight of a lot of older generations retiring, the continued retirement of the silver tsunami, 
sure. the boomers yeah. of the industry, right? Let's look at the welding industry, for example. The average, there, there's 450 to 550,000 welders in the United States. The average age of that welder is 56 years old. Yeah, wow. So <laughs> when we look at that, imagine the impact we're going to have in the next five to 10 years when a massive amount of what we call a skilled, uh, a very critical skilled trade job retires. Well, we're never going to be able to build back up that workforce. We could definitely, we, we definitely need to encourage um, younger generations to go into skilled trades, especially as more and more younger generations are realizing that the promise of a four-year college degree that's going to give them a prosperous life was not completely true. Mm -hmm. um, when we look at the national, we look at the average, you know, I, I think, I, correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, with the audience that they go back and look at this, but I want to say the, the national student debt is larger than like the credit card debt in the industry and the mm -hmm. automobile debt in the industry. There's more student debt out there in a lot of cases than I think even the whole mortgage market. I have to go, but it's just this massive Sure. Crazy number. And I think what we're going to see is a lot of younger generations saying, I don't want to go to college and just immediately graduate with a bunch of debt where I might not even use my degree. Of course, right. You know, so I think what manufacturers need to do in the next five, 10 years as outlook is you have a future workforce that is looking for something other than a four-year degree. If you can offer them training, if you can offer them skills, if you could offer them purpose with their career, and if you could offer them a future opportunity to continue to reskill that's going to drive them forward in an industry, I think that's a prime opportunity. Within the manufacturing industry, I think it's one of those places that you can go from being an operator to a factory, for, to being a plant manager in 15 years. Mm -hmm. You know, from, from literally making $16, $18 an hour to pulling in $200,000 at a facility, you have the ability to work within a manufacturing company and grow just by, you know, in, investing in it and learning it and getting those skills. And I think, you know, if, if manufacturers really want to find as we adapt to a more automated-based industry, you need to hire the people in your facility and train them in a way where they understand the manufacturing processes. They understand your product. They understand your company culture. Now skill them in a way that's when you bring in automation is going to continue to, to, to keep you competitive and viable. Yeah. Interesting. Awesome. Last question for you, Jake, how are the Cubs going to do this year? Oh man. Uh, I, I'll put them, I'll put them 20 games above 500. Optimistic. That's that's where I'll that's where I'll put them. Uh, you know, it's it's a tough year. We got some great players, but uh, in terms of our division, the Cardinals have a great team this year. They're they're in their last hoorah, hoorah with Wainwright and uh, Pujols back and Medina and all you know all those people and the same thing with the Brewers. So I, I, I'm optimistic. You never know, uh, but I don't think we're going to be. We're not, we're not a World Series contender this year. What's your mind? You know what? We're always a World Series contender. What am I saying? <laughs> <laughs> An optimist. I love it. Jake Hall, the uh, manufacturing millennial, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. I appreciate it, Chris. It's always a pleasure. Yeah. And to our audience, as always, we encourage you to go out and make it a smart day.